I'm Chan Storland, and this is the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. And I'm joined now once again by San Antonio Express News sports writer Mike Finger. Mike, the win streak has come to a close at nine. Before we get to that Miami game that stopped the dream, <laughs> what has it been like for you covering the Spurs during this time? You know, was it fun? Was it confusing? I got to say, for me, it was a bit both. Uh, what did we learn from this experience? Well, I mean, um, it's it's kind of what the Spurs have been for a long time. Um, it, I mean, that they've every year that uh, that I've been around the Spurs, I've been around the Spurs a long time. They've gone through streaks like this. That this year it was kind of a question of whether the Spurs were really going to come together and uh, and have a, a run like this. Not necessarily nine in a row, but just a a period of weeks and, and maybe a month or two when they really looked like one of the better teams in the league. And I'm not sure that this proves that they are, um, you know, at the caliber of the Spurs of old, but um, this was kind of what fans were waiting for uh, to see if this team could put uh, a a stretch together where it could beat the teams that they were supposed to be. And, and, you know, there, there were a couple of wins in there against a Milwaukee, against a golden state where they did beat the best teams in the league. But um, to put it in perspective, after uh, after it's over, I, I think it's a matter of uh, a young team and, and, and a team full of um, uh, new teammates um, coming together and fi- kindly finally figuring out how to play with each other. And then there's also the factor of there were a lot of home games in there. There weren't a lot of back to backs. And this is kind of the part of the schedule that they were supposed to take advantage of, and 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 they did. And in terms of covering it, you know, it it, it felt a lot like uh, some of the periods that they've gone through in the past, where you know the team has come together in uh, in February, March of seasons, and and now we just see uh, what that leads to. So you mentioned some of the high caliber teams that they beat uh, in the last ten games. Well. Uh, the 10th game, they lost to Miami, a team that I would not describe as high caliber, by five points, 110 to 105. Tell me about that game. Miami went up early um, in a game that was notable for other than the reason that we just mentioned, that it you know killed the streak. Uh, it was uh, the final game in San Antonio for a member of the team. Yeah, um, Dwayne Wade's on his farewell tour, and uh, you know he, it's this new thing in the NBA where... Um, uh, uh, some guys not named Tim Duncan or Mono Ginobili like the farewell tour and like getting the accolades from the uh, different crowds around the league. And, and Dwayne seemed to enjoy that. Um, the Spurs paid him homage. Um, but in, in terms of the streak coming to an end, um, it, it was just something that was bound to happen at some point. Miami's not a terrible team. You know, they're not a, they're not a surefire playoff team, but uh, when Goran Dragic plays, they're they're a solid team, and 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 you know, in most of the games that he's played this year, he's missed a lot of games, but in most of the games he's played this year, he's been effective, and he's kind of the the guy that that got them off to a big lead early in the in the first half, and really through the third quarter, and and so um, you know, when when you look at it, this like you said, the Spurs beat the Bucks, they beat the Warriors, they beat some good teams during this this streak, and to lose to a team like Miami, which is not a uh, upper caliber team that might come as a surprise, but it's sort of the law of averages kept catching up with you. And, 
Now, the Spurs gave it a valiant effort down the stretch. They cut a, a big lead. I think it was 18 points down to uh, down to four in the final couple minutes, and it looked like they were going to have a chance to pull it out. It just didn't come together. And uh, uh, but when when you look at the streak as a whole, um, you know I, I think they did exactly what they were supposed to do over the past few weeks. They, you know, when when the streak started, they were in danger of missing the playoffs altogether. Now they have a pretty big lead over the ninth place team for sure. The Kings, it looks like they're going to be in the playoffs for sure. Uh, that 21 year streak is going to continue of being in the postseason, And, uh, uh, you know, that now it's all about kind of maneuvering for, for playoff seating and, and, and making sure they're on the right role heading into the playoffs and, and, uh, things seem to be going in the right direction. Yeah, something you can check out now at expressnews.com slash Spurs talks about, well, they were able to beat some high caliber uh, quality teams. Now, when they get to the postseason, they just need to avoid them. Yeah, um, you know, I I wrote that after the Golden State uh, game. Um, And when we talk about high caliber teams and avoiding them, I'm talking about one team in particular, and that's that's Golden State. Um, I think the Spurs would feel okay heading into a matchup with just about any other team in the in the Western Conference. There are obviously some really good teams uh, near the top of the of the standings there. But the one team that that just looks like a, a horrible matchup for them and is a horrible matchup for everybody is is Golden State. Um when you go back to that game that the Spurs won um, against the Warriors at the AT&T Center on Monday, um, it was an impressive victory, no doubt. Uh, you know, they, they handled uh, Curry and, and Thompson and, and kind of slowed down Durant enough to win the game. And, you know, there, there were stars playing for Golden State. But the caveat there is DeMarcus Cousins didn't play. Andre Iguodala didn't play. Uh, those are two key members of that team. And, and when you look at the history of the Spurs and the Warriors in 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 recent times, I mean they, they they've played 19 times I think over the past three seasons when you count the post, when you count the playoffs, and uh, the Spurs have not fared well against them when this when the Warriors are full strength. And that's not really an indictment of the Spurs; it's just a, a, a testament to how great the Warriors have been. And so uh, when you you figure that the Warriors probably will be the top seed in the Western Conference, that means that um, you don't want to be number eight. And I realize this isn't exactly breaking news, but uh, the teams right now in the uh, in that second tier of the Western Conference, um, especially from about five to eight, there's a there's a game separating the Spurs and the Jazz and the Clippers and the Thunder. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of maneuvering over the past, over the last three weeks of the season to make sure that uh, the Spurs don't finish eighth. And uh, all, a, a couple of losses here or there could be enough because when you look at the schedules, Utah's got a really easy schedule the rest of the way. The Clippers have a lot of home games left. The Thunder kind of falling apart. But um, the key here is to avoid the Warriors at all costs. And uh, when you look at the other teams that the Spurs could play, I mean, the, the, the Nuggets look like the two seed, the, uh, the Trailblazers and the Rockets are three and four. Um, the Spurs probably will not be favorites against those teams, but they feel like they have a fighting chance against them. So uh, that's something to look for the rest of the way. 
Maybe we'll talk a little bit more playoff matchups uh, here a little bit later in today's episode. Let's uh, get to uh, some of the upcoming games. Up next, we have three road games, then two back home. Uh, how crucial would you say the upcoming road trip would be for the rest of the Spurs season? You know, it, it's not as crucial as we might have thought it would have been a few weeks ago because the Spurs have kind of, with that winning streak, have, have given themselves a little bit of breathing room in terms of uh, uh, making sure they're going to be in the playoffs. And, and uh, um, you know, that it's, it, there was a point when you thought, wow, if they don't, if they don't pull off an upset against uh, Houston or Boston or, or at least do some damage on the road, they might not make it. But so now it's not do or die, uh, but still it's going to be key. Like I mentioned in terms of the seating, um, you would not like to uh, let all the momentum that you gathered from this uh, winning streak kind of fall apart uh, by by going back to their same old uh, routine on the road. So you would think that you would like to, um, to to steal a win against either Houston or Boston, and and for sure win that game at Charlotte and on this three game trip. Um, it, again, what the Spurs did during this winning streak did not erase all of the issues that they had earlier in the season. This still is not a great road team. Uh, they suffered a lot of uh, really uh, confounding losses away from home. And and uh, during the streak, they did win at Atlanta. They did win at Dallas. Uh, those are not playoff teams. Those games were both close. So uh, they have not solved everything that ailed them. And, and I think um, another aspect of this road trip is when you're going into the playoffs, the Spurs would just like to feel like they have a fighting chance to beat good teams on the road. And uh, it would be nice to get a win over a Houston or over a Boston under their belts before they go into the playoffs. Because right now, the way they played, it seems like uh, uh, most games away from home are kind of an automatic for the other team. And that's no way to, uh, to get into the postseason. So continuing along here, this is uh, kind of the the topic that comes up week in and week out. You know, the words that are going to come up in these episodes, San Antonio, Spurs, my name, Chance, and then Derek White. So Derek White, you know, the emergence of him this season. Uh, tell me about that. Um, I think I've talked with everybody that's on the podcast about Derek White. Do you think he's the point guard of the Spurs future? He's He's got to be somewhere on the team, right? They They really need him. That's the that's the question that has not been um, addressed uh, a lot this year. It's kind of the thought that are in everybody in the back of everybody's minds because the point guard of the Spurs' future going into the season was Dejounte Murray, and he has been out all season uh, after tearing his ACL, and he's back with the team at least on the bench and going on road trips. and And Pop says he likes having him around, but that's that's going to be the key to uh, the offseason to the Spurs future is how those two guys uh, are going to coexist uh, in this franchise, in this team's backcourt for years to come. And I think the the, the overriding um, positive theme to this season and the reason why Derek White's uh, name keeps coming up during these podcasts and, and in our coverage all year long is because he has been kind of the revelation of the season. The, the, the Spurs knew Going into the year that they had two All-Stars in LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, uh, they knew that they had some role players that could kind of fit in around them, but they did not know what they had in Derek White. And and so now that we've seen Derek become 
um, a legitimate starting NBA point guard and a guy who can make a difference not only in games but in in, in winning streaks and in, in complete seasons. Um, I, th- I think the Spurs are really encouraged by that, and in a way, it is the bright side of losing a player like the, uh, Dejounte Murray for an entire season. If, if if Murray hadn't gone down, maybe they don't figure this out about Derek White, and so I, I realize we're we're into the final few weeks of a regular season and there's playoffs up ahead. But uh, one thing to think about is, is um, how great uh, this backcourt could be. And, and maybe great is an overstatement, but um, I think on the defensive end, when you, when you put Jajante Murray, who was first team all defense last year, uh, alongside Derek White, who's been the, by far the Spurs best defender uh, this season on a, on a bad defensive team, admittedly. Um, that that's got to be a tantalizing thought for for Spurs fans and for Spurs coaches and for Spurs players that they can they can have Derek White line up as a shooting guard and uh, Dejounte Murray as a point guard or or even vice versa and and really have a weapon to unleash against the rest of the league and uh, you know it, it, maybe neither one of them will be all stars or or all NBA players for the rest of their careers but. Uh, those are two pretty good players to to build around. Two young players and two guys they got late in the first round, and it's it's another testament to the Spurs' player development and uh, their scouting and all that that kind of stuff. Um, these are these are two success stories, and if if Murray comes back um, kind of on that same upswing that he was on before he got hurt, and if White can continue this then maybe Derek White is not the point guard of the Spurs future. Maybe he's the the shooting guard of the Spurs future. And, and that could bode well for, like I said, years to come. Got plenty of time left on today's episode, Mike. Let's have some fun. You're king for a day. You already talked about um, some playoff matchups, possible playoff matchups. Uh, realistically, who do you want the Spurs taking on in the first round? I mean, if, if I'm the Spurs and, and I realize uh, Denver's had a great season, but um, uh, it's got to be the Nuggets. Um, if for no re- other reason than they are the least uh, playoff tested of that entire uh, group of candidates. Um, I think, um, like I mentioned earlier, the item one on the agenda is to avoid Golden State. And um, then the other, I guess, uh, possibilities for the first round matchup would be Houston. Um, or Portland. And um, on the one hand, um, the Spurs have had a lot of positive playoff history against Mike D'Antoni, D'Antoni the coach of the Rockets. And uh, I think that they'd have a, uh, a, a pretty fun time against him again and against the Rockets. But you don't want to see James Harden for seven games. Um, Portland seems like less likely just in terms of the math and the and the breakdown of, of how this of how the rest of the season is going to go, I, I, again, da- Damian Lillard and and CJ McCollum, those aren't guys you want to see for seven games. Um, and those guys, like James Harden, have played in a lot of playoff games before, a lot of playoff series. So even though Denver has had a better record than Portland and Houston uh, for most of the season, probably will finish with a better record. I think the Spurs feel like. They can use their experience, their um, uh, kind of history in these types of matchups uh, in the postseason to their advantage against a team like Denver, who is as deep as just about anybody in the league, but does not have a lot of guys who've been through those playoff tests before. So 
yeah, if if I'm Greg Popovich, if I'm uh, DeMar DeRozan, if I'm anybody in the Spurs and I'm looking for a team that I might be able to steal one from in the playoffs, I think I'm looking at Denver. And uh, uh, that's, again, that's not, that doesn't mean that they're not. Uh, automatic win, but uh, I think that's the the best possible scenario for the Spurs. And then maybe a, a bit of a shot in the dark here, Mike, before we say goodbye. Um, we haven't spoken a lot about Greg Popovich as of late here on the podcast. Obviously, this season in the past, uh, we did. Um, what are your thoughts on him in the, in the future? Obviously, this is a very different season, um, both both personally and professionally for Greg Popovich. Um, you know, he's, he's at the, uh, if you had to label the beginning, middle and end, he's at the end of his career. Uh, where do you think his future lies uh, given uh, the NBA? And, um, you know, obviously he's connected to the Olympics at this point. Well, um, you know, he's, he's not going to let anybody in and tell, tell anybody what his plans are. But I think the, uh, the running assumption for a while now is, is um, he's going he's gonna to stick with the Spurs and, and stick with what he's doing through um, the 2020 Olympics. And uh, that is, in many ways, the, the culmination of his career. He's a guy who went to the Air Force Academy and, and served his country and, and, uh, and became the greatest NBA coach of his generation and wanted to coach the, the Olympic team uh, before this and didn't get the opportunity. And he's finally going to have that opportunity at, you know, past the age of 70 to do that. And uh, I think, um, if anything, we underrate how much, how important that um, opportunity is for, for Greg Popovich. I think he, it's something that he has said um, he thinks about a lot during the during the season. You know, he he does find himself thinking about uh, players that he's going to be coaching on that team and, and kind of how those uh, lineups will will fit. And uh, you know, he's he's expressed a lot of uh, uh, gratitude to, to Jeff Van Gundy for for uh, helping with the, the qualifying team. And and I think he's really excited about. Uh, not only the Olympics in 2020, but the the World Cup this summer, uh, where they're going to play in 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 China, um, and I, th- I think he's he's invigorated by that. And and in terms of the Spurs, you know, I, I I'm not going to break any news here, and and I don't have any news here, but um, you know, I I think it's natural to think that he would uh, coach at least one more year to to kind of get him into the Olympics because there's not a whole lot of coaching to be done during an NBA regular season to get yourself ready for the 2020 Olympics. I mean, the, the players you're coaching in the 2020 Olympics are going to be playing in the NBA. So, um, again, I have no inside knowledge here, but I would assume that it would make a lot of sense to give it one more shot. And like I mentioned earlier, there's, there's things to look forward to with the Spurs next year with DeJounte Murray coming back. And, and so maybe, maybe Greg Popovich gives it, one more run through the 2019-2020 the season and uh, then heads off to coach the Olympic team in the summer of 2020. And then maybe that's the end. Maybe it's not. But it, it seemed like it would be kind of a fitting way to conclude a, uh, a Hall of Fame career. And thank you to San Antonio Express News sports writer Mike Finger for joining me for today's episode of the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. For the San Antonio Express News, 
I'm Chance Dorland.